So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and over here to the left, my left, over, where are you? Over there. We have Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm good, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We're getting our internet things figured out in our, you know, office reset. You're having an office reset up there, sort of. An office reset. I'm actually in my office for the first time since we moved into this house. I'm in my office to do the show. Hardwired Holy to the internet, crap. you know. Yeah. Wow. Wireless headset. I know. You can, you can, you know, get to the sink just in case. It's Life is good. It is. Of course, we've been it at is. this for it's, a while, but we may be slow, ladies and gentlemen. But we get there every time. But we get there in the end. <laughs> That's right. I just hope I just hope that the transfer out to the studio once it's built won't be um nearly as <laughs> nearly as nightmarish. Um I oh, but we I can will be make relaxed. sure all my ducks are in a row before we can be relaxed um, then we'll make sure all the wires are already in place and all everything's ready and you just go out there and plug in. It'll be cool. Absolutely. That that is my plan. Absolutely. They can't build the studio without making sure the office is fully functioning. That's the summer project, right, or the spring project, is to remodel your art and writing studio. All artists deserve a studio in the mountains, surrounded by mountains. Well, Well, we we have a crazy concept because the studio actually has um, enough room in that space to put in two bedrooms, a small kitchenette, and bathroom. Um. Ideally, what I would like to do with that space is because, and and my husband, bless his heart, is supporting this idea, um, which I just adore him for. Uh, I would like to turn those couple rooms, or at least one of the rooms, um, into an artist retreat. So for a very reasonable low price, we'd like to offer the space out to artists or authors who want to get away into um, the forest or put bush my, Put my reservation setting. down first, as long as it's warm. To be able weather. to. <laughs> well, that's why we want to keep one room as a spare room. Um, we might, you know, we might try and squeeze three rooms in and rent one out and keep two as spares. Either way, we want to set it up so that we have at least one room available for for an author's retreat or, or an artist's retreat. They would have full use of the studio um, and... And, you know, all the equipment that goes with it 
full use of Internet, and we would only charge them as much as it would cost for their usage, like their their hydro usage and stuff. Um, right. So, That's awesome. yeah, because we want to give something back. Because, I mean, really, ultimately, the house was a gift. Um, so, I mean, yeah, so essentially, we, we, we're going to have to we haven't really it. We haven't really talked about this, so we're going to take just a second since lately we've been taking like 18 minutes to talk about seaweed. We'll talk about seaweed again on Thursday. Um, okay. So w- w- there needs to be a name for this, you know, Fortress of Solitude, it seems to me. <laughs> Have you a name already? Is there already a name for it, or is this there, open there for is- naming? or? You know what? It's open for naming. Um and you're right. I think I think eventually it does need a name because we're planning on making it a self-sustainable compound. Um so, you know, we're eventually hoping to be off the grid other than the the satellite that we're going to need for the internet cuz goodness gracious, can't give up the show. Um but <laughs> we would like to be completely self-sustainable. Uh and yeah, I I suppose eventually we will need a name for for our little slice of heaven. Yeah. Because um, my parents it, it did had... Come with a built-in, it did come with a built-in plaque on the door. Right yeah. Right the door that Mr. and Mrs. Barbas. Okay. kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Because y'all are so, engaged. Uh, it said on Facebook. We are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, so, um, um, even though I already call my husband, but, you know, I mean, we've been together for so long now. It doesn't matter. But, it, it, well, no, well, we don't have like a name. My parents but if had this help mountain. name it. My parents had this mountain retreat, just to give an example, in Colorado. Before my father completely retired, they had a place where mom went for the whole summer and dad was there except when he had to go to a meeting. And um, it was up on the side of a – it was in Ute Pass, which goes up from Colorado Springs. For all of our Colorado listeners, they'll know where that is. And uh, lots of artists and just a very cool place. And – they planted all kinds of local. They made sure they planted what had originally been there, but uh, planted it back and attracted. They had flocks of hummingbirds, so they called it Hummingbird Hill. Very cool. Very cool. And so, you know, it was, we're going to go see Mom and Dad in Colorado. No, we're going to go to Hummingbird Hill. You know, that's just yummy. And so, you know. That is. Well, you know, there's some, something there's some interesting features. Um, there's definitely some interesting features. I know the family just calls it the chalet, uh-huh. um, probably because it looks like a chalet. Uh, but the, the most interesting feature, I think, is is that you can't walk anywhere where there's gravel without appreciating the fact that there's um, quartz everywhere. I mean, every step you take, you're, you're walking on quartz, which is very, very cool to me. Yeah. I mean, I... It fascinates me well, when I'm walking down the driveway and every, you know, every step is on to this amazingly energetic your, white crystalline rock. Your groundwater um, is sitting in a big aquifer full of just interlaced with quartz crystals. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so apparent that the, the quartz crystal is here that it's just everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's in the gravel on the roads. It's, in the gravel on the driveways, it's not like anybody put it there. It's just part it's just of everywhere. the land yeah. itself. So well, that's why I kept getting this image in my mind. I know it doesn't look like this, but I kept getting an image of the from the Superman movies, the Fortress of Solitude up in the 
big crystals and yeah, yeah. But that's you know, Crystal Palace, sure. a fortress of solitude. I don't know the Phoenix Nest. Um, come here and you know, feel free to come borrow well, the Phoenix Nest to to be reborn be and Phoenix bring yourself up. Oh, because it doesn't just it doesn't just belong to me. Um, and certainly without the demon, I wouldn't have gotten here at all. So. Um, you know, I don't know if our listeners are out there and you're thinking you want to name name the artist retreat that we're planning on building, then go for it. To suggestions, yeah, you know you where to find me. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> or or go to our page at facebook.com, uh, Everyday Connection, or uh, the archive of tonight's show. There's Facebook comments at the, beneath each of our archives. So uh, hit us up. Ideas. Help us yeah. help us name the retreat in the studio. That'd be cool. That'd be super cool to have it named by our listeners. That'd yeah, because be awesome. you got you got uh, what a phoenix, uh, demon, uh, a crystal child, and a pack of dogs. Yes. <laughs> and crystals and and lots of nature way up in the mountain. Lots Internet of comes by satellite because they don't have so many wires where you live. A few, but not so many. <laughs> No, <laughs> we try not to, anyways. Yes, yes. Okay, well, that's awesome. That's what, it just struck me that as we were talking that we, we need a name to refer never, to this we've, joint. We've never, yeah, we've never named the chalet. Maybe, well, so then, okay, so I'm open. Then the the main house could be the Phoenix Nest or the Phoenix Chalet or, you know, so people could come to the Ooh. Fortress of Solitude adjacent to the Phoenix Nest. <laughs> Down the road from the Templar Chapel. Down down the road from the Templar, down the windy path, because that's yeah. the name of the road. Means yeah. windy path. So down the windy path from the Templar Chapel. Yeah, it's a Rupador. weird situation that I find myself in. <laughs> Number ten on Rupador, which means windy path. Yeah. 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 It's a strange, strange situation I'm in, yeah. but it is what it is. We thank the universe for those miracle. And gifts. So, do you think he passed the patient passed. test? I think so. I think so. Awesome. It's a good thing we didn't get started talking about sea veg because, wow. Well, we'll be there forever. Yes. All right. Well, so shall we, we say hi? Absolutely. You are honored tonight, guest. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us a uh, chiropractor, martial artist, uh, healer, helper, teacher, like we all like to be. So many things. Doctor Patrick Price. How are you, Patrick? Uh, doing just fine, Rick. How are you guys? Just great. Thanks so much. Hey, I think I think you'll have the name already. The Fortress of Solitude. There you go. That, sound, that sounds good. And have the Phoenix Nest is like another name for a part of the place. Right. That sounds that sounds good too. That's yeah. awesome. Come I think you guys yourself. are on your names. Re, rebirth <laughs> yourself in the Fortress of Solitude, located in the Phoenix Nest in the scenic. Uh, northern whatever mountains up there. That, that, that sounds like the brochure already. Yeah, see there, marketing <laughs> marketing plan. Call the marketing department. That uh, sounds interesting yeah, to me. I already, you, you made me want to go check it out just by the name. There you the go. Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that awesome. is awesome. Fortress of Solitude. It's too cute. So, I don't know if Rick warned you, but I only I'm only got one question for you, and so I'm going to ask you that, and then we're yeah, just one, and then we're going to go from just there. One. All right, all right. Just one. Who on earth are you, and what do you do? Say that again. Who on earth are you, and what do you do? What do I do? What do I do? 
Uh, well, it's kind of like you ask somebody, what do they do? And then, or you ask somebody, who are you? And uh, every day I wear so many hats in what I do from business to play to, to teaching. Um, I don't really know what to tell myself and others always who I am. Except one lady says, you are the awakener. I said, what do you mean? This one psychic years ago says you awaken people to the possibilities of endless things. And what that basically means is, after I had a near-death experience years ago, is to awaken people by helping them face their limited beliefs. Find out what everybody believes in. Because every person believes in very different things, but then again, there's a very also universal principle that we all believe in. Anywhere I've been in the world, there are universal truths. So what do I do? Well, on an everyday basis, I'm always a chiropractor. I work with the physical body, many different modalities of working mechanically with the body. I uh, do lots of detoxification. I feel like every person really needs to detox at some level in their body to make their body more vibrant. And then I work with uh, emotional balancing and detoxing the emotions as well. And this is on an everyday level. And it doesn't really matter if I'm off work. I can see it. Over my condo, the security guy downstairs, and he's limping around. The next thing you know, I'm talking to him and finding out him and his wife had an argument, and he's limping because an emotional block is actually stuck in the body that leads to a physical condition. So it's basically seven days a week for me on that as far as looking at people. Uh, in the evening times, just like right now, I'm sitting outside my martial arts school. I teach martial arts in the evenings, uh, beginner levels in kickboxing and tai chi, and then I teach all the way to the professional level of MMA. So pretty involved in all those areas, and on top of all those, I travel and lecture and helping people in healing courses called the Body Detective. That's the main course that I teach, and uh, we're beginning that actually next month. But every day, working as a healer, working as a practitioner, is, is such a joy to put your hands on people and watch that person like a flower begin to bloom out of their despair, their darkness, or maybe they're just a wellness person who just needs to feel better on a daily basis until the day we go back into the dirt. So, in a nutshell, that's what I do. Is he doesn't do a lot, eh? <laughs> yeah, really. We're going to have to find some things for him to use to fill his time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I could definitely say I spent many college years of just going to school and doing nothing because I definitely spent my days like a lot of students being lazy, sitting around the dorms. Uh, taking as few as classes I could to please my parents, so they thought I was in college, but really I wasn't. And so I think I've been making up over the years for all those times that I didn't do a lot of things. So I think some people are busy early in life, some are busy later in life. Well, and once I you would, find your I things, would look at that it, it, it just opposite. You know, doesn't it's not so much work. You wouldn't be looking at the security guard and going, "Hey, wait a minute," if it was work. Work is. A four-letter word, eh, or yeah, we don't use that. Word. But yeah, I always tell people I majored in entertainment at college, and they say, "Oh, yeah, so you're a radio host and stuff." She said, "No, no, no, I'm I majored in going to parties and being entertained, entertainment." <laughs> but that was early. I was president's honorable when I left. I found myself. But, but for sure, one thing we can always look at if you look at one question they ask people is. What is their biggest emotional blockage you have in your body? That is the subconscious mind has that answer for us, but not everybody is conscious of what that is. And so it takes someone who knows how to test the body, listen to the body, to find out exactly what it could be. An example could be 
abandonment, something abandoned by their father when they're five or six years old, and still to this day, that energy has not been neutralized in someone's body. So you'll find that person is, who has not found a way and not even aware of it anymore because it's been there so many years, that they keep getting abandoned in life, meaning their job, they get fired, they lose their job, they get in another relationship, the person leaves them, the friends leave them, and they keep having abandonment all around them in circles until they try to wonder what's, what's really going on. Well, they haven't found a way to neutralize that one emotion. So like anything else, it keeps recreating itself. And usually the biggest thing that you'll find to rebalance, to neutralize it, basically that energy is joy. But the subconscious mind may accept joy in different fashions, meaning maybe your joy is a companionship, someone you're, you're dating, married to. Maybe your companion is your dog. Maybe your joy is swimming in the clear crystal water over in Mexico, one of those beautiful salt water areas. Maybe your joy is in the mountains in Colorado. So you have to ask the body, or like I do, I ask the subconscious mind, what is it that it needs to experience joy? So that's that's a pretty big question to ask many people. What is it that's blocking them? Because that hinders you and sabotages you in so many unforeseen ways. So essentially well, you're opening up a conversation with the body. Basically you're talking asking, to the body. You're asking right, you're it what it needs to, or wants, and then you're offering right. to provide it. You're offering like a an emotional cure, if you can use cure in that fashion. It, it's interesting because we've talked on a number of occasions about, come on, people, open up a dialogue with your body. And mm-hmm. now here you are. We have a professional mm-hmm. in the field, a right. gifted professional from what I have seen. And uh, I've well, this I, unusual. I, I know it works for price. I know it works for pain management, which is why, you know, I encourage people to do it so often. Um, but I mean, you're you're talking about using it for whole body cures, and if your your videos are any indication, you're taking that to a whole like extreme level. Yeah, well, let's as get, I'll give another example. Look at uh, everybody knows who Bruce Lee is, right? Uh, with his permission, there's a man, Dan Anasanto. He's Bruce Lee's legacy. He's basically who carried Bruce Lee's system on to what it is still today. Um, a lot of the martial artists, since I am a martial artist, I've had the opportunity to work with most of the guys out there that you know today in the movies and who are just really well known for what they do. You know, he's already the best at what he does. How do you enhance somebody who's already the best at what they do? Well, it's really simple. When you do an emotional release and a chemical detoxification with physical body work, you've got a different person standing in front of you. It doesn't matter who it is. So when they go to these deeply altered states and emotional release, it may be something from their childhood that still blocks them to this day. And what happens is that person is more vibrant, energy runs through the body more freely, less blockages physically and emotionally, and they always excel somewhere. And usually the first thing they notice is their senses are stronger, their sight, their smell, their taste, something changes in the extrasensory areas. So does that make sense to you guys? Oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. uh, I hope we can expand some on your uh, security guard example of limping, and it's really an emotional blockage because right. we all have 
what what's often been referred to as an emotional body. Of course, it's not. You can't go grab it, so it's not exactly a body, but a, an, a, an energetic body and imbalances there that start there manifest in the body, body, physical body, and so often, oftentimes I find that. If somebody's got something and they can't seem to kick it, get rid of it, handle it, that it's something in, they're looking in the wrong place. They're looking at their body when they need to be looking at something different, and that's sort of the bridge that you help provide for people, eh? Right, because it may be, even though deeply rooted in that person is an emotional blockage, it may need to chemically detox first. Maybe need to flush the colon first, the liver Maybe they need, need physical body work, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic first. The thing is, the deepest root is there, but that's not always the first place that you go. And that, that comes along with the art of muscle testing that I use to ask the body, where does it want to go first? Because the body may not want to approach the emotions at all, especially with men we are not as a, easily open as women are to talk about what's really bothering us. And so with men, usually once you physically work on them and start cleansing them, eventually they come in and one day they just start talking. And they'll start talking about something that you usually already know about. I was just waiting for it to come forth. Right. So it's it's like a bridge that sometimes you start with the emotions, but but oftentimes uh, people, you know, myself, you start with the body because you know, particularly men, we we have a tendency to just keep going like a bulldozer in, right. until until something happens. I had a pretty severe medical crisis that made me sit down and take enough time to work on me and with me to get to where I am today. And you you can assist people in locating these things, whether you start at one end or the other, because you can kind of see the the connection. And, yeah. and um, but it, to me, it, it, like a strictly mechanical medical, whatever term you want to use, allopathic, where they fix something in the body. If, if if it's not energetically handled as well, if you don't go on to that next point, then it either comes back or it manifests somewhere else. Right. That's when you see people who have the three knee surgeries, the, the three or four shoulder surgeries, the low back surgeries. Over and over, that place keeps experiencing pain because it's something inside them they have not yet balanced. I mean, how else can you explain somebody who literally in my office had six knee surgeries in the same area? Why is that pain still there? Well, to me, it's really simple. It's an area that that person is really resisting to go to, back to the childhood, back to the mother, father, the grandfather, their siblings. So somewhere there is a, a blockage from their past that's still locked in the tissues of the body, and that's just where it manifested at. Because the knees, for example, represent burdens or, or stubbornness in your life. And so you'll go to that knee, and sure enough, it still has intense pain, and it's had everything that they know and others know to do with it. They just haven't approached the deep emotional areas. And then again, you look to the other side of the body. The body is such an interesting machine. The knee usually has to do with, say, the shoulder on the opposite side. And usually you'll find the rest of the problem there, the challenge, let's say. So the body work, opposite sides, the cleansing, and getting down to the root of the emotions. Very simple to me, but I wasn't taught that way in school. 
you know, had to go have lots of experiences to learn how to approach it this fashion. I hear you so giggling you, out there, Phoenix. Like, well, because <laughs> that's not how I learned it in school. Um, no. Shame that, that. That the idea makes me giggle because you know I watch my child's education and I think to myself, how did we ever survive ours? <laughs> I just. Uh, but I have to like how how do you progress down that path to develop to discover these things? I know how I progress down that path to discover right. certain truths about the physicality, but I went down a path of severe sickness for a long time in order to make some of those discoveries. How did your journey begin, and and what I mean, what brought you? into the light of the truth on how to find solutions to these problems that it not so much maybe we're not willing to face, but that we're not aware of. Because I don't think that it's common knowledge that the emotional body can affect the physicality of a being. No, no you're yeah. correct. Too many people you're think it's that's just a right. robot or a, a, a piece of machinery that you can take to the shop. Yeah. That's how science basically looks at it. But you look at the ancient sciences, it's not the same. You look at the Sumerian people many, many moons ago up in northern Iraq, and they left documents behind of how they did work. They did even cesarean sections. They even did, you know, having test two babies, they even left in their documents if you look at Stitchin's books. So, you know, healing is way before us in ancient times was probably one where, Spiritual ways versus allopathic ways. They, they had science and spirituality as one. Where today it's separate, but it's slowly blending back together. And definitely in the schools, the medical schools, even the chiropractor schools, others, this is not a taught art. In fact, where I went to school at, they told us do not approach the emotions. It was area. In fact, most of the things I do today, I was told not to do by my school. If that tells you anything. So when I got out of school, I started finding out how to really work with the body, not just the mechanical, read the x-rays, look at the blood work. You have to really ask the body and know how to read the body. And really, if you're looking at it with all the training you have as doctors these days, all the years of school you go, to me it only makes sense that that would be the next step. If any practitioner wanted to really understand the body, learn how to ask the body questions and not just read a test and read a blood work. And you'll start listening and you'll hear different answers. And then you can compare what you find on your own back to those blood work and those MRIs and those x-rays and then form a complete analysis based upon all the knowledge that you have. I don't see why that is not taught. Well, I do I do see, but it seems like we should be moving faster than what we are today. Uh, it's generally, generally politics. Bless, bless the overachieving politics. light workers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a member of that club, you know. <laughs> why isn't it? Happened yesterday, yeah. but uh, yeah, but she asked. Uh, but Jean, you asked where I began. It began in Louisiana, my, my journey. Okay. And I was a uh, I was in a I was in traumatic injury when I was 16. I I got thrown out of a pickup truck going 116 miles an hour. Uh, typical Louisiana story: you crash your pickup truck, go flying out of it, and you survive. And there, there are so many of those stories in Louisiana, but I was one of those who who survived the crash and I uh, stayed in the hospital for about two weeks, and. It, and when I went back to, I was raised Catholic in the Catholic Church, and when I got out of the hospital, the first thing I did, I, of course, went to church. And really, I'd say my journey began when I'm sitting in church, and I get up to leave, 
and heard somebody says, I have something very special for you to do. And I actually heard someone tell me that. And I went to get up, and I sat back down. I go, wait a minute. I found, you know, you pray and pray and pray when you're younger. And, and to me, I never heard anybody talking to me back. And at this point, at 16 years old, I heard somebody speaking to me. For the first time, someone told me. And so from oh, that journey on, thing. yeah, from then, from then on, the messages kept coming. I kept hearing and hearing. And, uh, in 1995, here in Texas, I had a near-death experience. It really was my second one, but this one was a little more graphic and a little more detailed. And definitely after having this extreme near-death, that's when all the senses came on. And about a couple of years after this near-death is when I met teachers who were like medical intuitives, Apache medicine men, uh, Tai Chi masters, and a whole slew of people just showed up. And I started meeting these people and training with them. I get off work from chiropractor, uh, my chiropractic work, and then all night long go study with somebody at three and four in the morning. And I did this for several nights in the week for years. And they said, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, that is absolutely correct. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay, where well, again experienced it twice how, a week on the show. The, the we really it's it's a selfish motivation in part. <laughs> because it's the it's always the right thing for us at the right time, Jane. Eh? Uh, absolutely, indeed, it is. And I'm wondering, um, without stepping on too many toes here, how personal I can get with regards to that story. Just because I do know that some of our listeners, uh, probably, I'm going to venture 50%, um, come from some form of religious background and are going through this spiritual growth um, experience and I coming from a strong Christian background Rick came from Catholic background my grandparents on one side of the family were Catholic Um, I mean are you willing to talk a little bit about the shock to the system that it would be for a young Catholic man to actually have God talk back because uh you know, as Catholics, we're taught that's that not that's in Catholic not school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay. uh, you need a priest. Uh, if God's going to talk to you, He has to talk to the priest, uh, and the priest is going to tell you what's what, and then you know, you go from yeah. there. So, I mean, how did you acclimatize to that? First yeah, of all, well, because well, that's pretty simple. That's pretty simple, really. Um, I look at it like this: it's like going to school. You know, every religion has its truths. But then again, if it told all the truth, there would be some separation between people around the world about religions. So obviously not all the truth is taught to all of us. But religion gives us a great foundation. It tells you the rules, you know, don't do this, don't do this to your neighbor, don't do these things. And every every religion has its rules to live by. So as a kid, you need some kind of rule or you'd just be like an animal out there running around. You wouldn't know what to do, what's right and wrong. But internally, I think we all know at some age what really is right and wrong, not that we necessarily follow it. So me... Raising me as a kid, my mom, she had to cut out for because I was the one who drove the vehicles too fast, jumped my horses over fences, drove motorcycles. I was the one always kind of in trouble that way, so I needed some rules. And so Catholic school was very good to me that way. <laughs> when the nuns spoke and you did things out of order and they grabbed you by the hair and gave a, gave a jiu-jitsu move to you, I probably needed it. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of kids these days, I, I tell them, they need Catholic school. They need nuns like that because – you know, corporal punishment is no longer around, and kids just do and say whatever they want to their teachers at school without any threat of a of a 
without, well, let's just say without the corporal punishment, there's no discipline. You know, and me in the martial arts, it's all about discipline. And so at a certain age with religion, you start to grow older and you start to look around and look at other faiths and other cultures and you realize, wow, everybody's kind of different around here. And that was a real eye-wakener for me is when I started traveling the world and learning different cultures, how different we were. And so I knew spiritually there's something missing. And that's when I started reading all the ancient texts and cultures, reading about who was here before us and what they said. And there's still, there's a universal truth in everything. There's, a, there's what we could say a Christ consciousness, where spiritually, if you already know to love one another, you should know not to kill, not to steal, not to do like the Ten Commandments in Christianity says. You should already know that. Whether you're Muslim, you're Jewish, you're Hindu, you know not to hurt the other person. And believe me, the Muslim faith doesn't teach go kill somebody for these things. Those are the Islamic more extreme because the Muslim original, the Quran, doesn't say those things like that. But an American, we're, we're brainwashing away to believe that that's a bad religion. But it's not. It has its good things just like all the others. And it tells us not to judge others just like the others. So with that said, you have to graduate from college on your own and find your own spiritual truth, which eventually leads you to the same road of love one another. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. We just love it when other people say it. Cut, <laughs> yeah. cut, print. That's a take. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I lecture, when I lecture in different groups, I'm in front of a lot of different cultures when I lecture, and I have to kind of know who I'm speaking to. Because some cultures, they don't dig certain things we dig here in America. <laughs> so I'm over, when I was over in uh, Croatia and in uh, Slovenia, and it's all kind of different faiths, and, and people have different beliefs there. But they all understand, love one another. That's pretty generalized. But they do. They They all have the same basic fundamental truth to their belief systems. And I, I think that's where we have to meet. I mean, there's there's always going to be some compromise. If we were all the same and we all followed the same religions and the same belief systems, then our world wouldn't be as amazing as it is because we live in this diverse, complex organism that's just something that should be admired and celebrated. And, you know, I I, I don't want to be the same as my neighbor because then what do I have to learn from him? However, in saying that, we do have to find some kind of middle ground. And like you said, love your fellow man is a pretty basic, simplistic, easy-to-follow middle ground find. Mm-hmm. Um, You're correct. And we, we well, do love it when other people come on and, and make the point about, you know, the Muslim faith or any other faith. that they're, they're, I don't know of any faith or religion that's taught to hate and to kill. It is the extremists of those religions, Christians included, you know, Christian extremists have in the past done some very damaging um, things to their fellow man. So we have to, we have to remember that, like you said, it is the extremists that, that take those teachings and twist them and taint them for their own ends. Um, Well, you want to hear what I did as a kid when I was in high school, I was raised Catholic, of course, like I said. And I go, you know, I'm going to go check out the Baptist church. What are they doing over there, you know? And I went with a friend. And when my mother found out, wow, you'd think I'd, I'd done some really, really terrible thing. Huh, I dare go to another church besides the one I'm going to. And so I realized if I'm going to go venture out high school and college, I just didn't tell mom. 
And after realizing how different people did pray, what were they praying for? Did they stand? Did they kneel? Did they drink wine? But, you know, I was the altar boy in school that that made the altar boy honor roll, where you go and you serve as the altar boy, you go to all the masses. And so I was on my way. They were um, basically prepping me for the priesthood. Up until about sixth or seventh grade, I was prepping to go and to be a priest. True story. A lot of people, a lot of my friends don't know this. But what had happened is Father Williams, and I, I never had a priest molest me, talk dirty to me. You know? I, I never had any of those things, experiences. I'd heard about them, but it, it just didn't exist where I was, or at least I wasn't aware of it's, it. It's it's a very small percentage, I should think. It is. It is. And they were, they were really, really great guys around me. But when I realized that when you become a priest, you don't have a wife, I started thinking, well, hang on here. Wait a minute. No one told me about this part. I didn't realize once you're a priest, that's it. And I think... The priests get a bad rap because they should be allowed to marry. They should have a wife. They should be able to have a, a partner in life because that's probably how they get themselves in trouble in the first place. They need a companion like everyone else. And so if there's anything, in my opinion, to re to re advise the world, but tell the Catholic Church, allow the priest to marry. Allow them to have a companion, a family. They can still do a good job and have a family. I would think they'd be able to do a better job. I mean, who better to advise you in the raising of your family and in your marriage? Because a lot of priests also double as family counselor and marriage counselor. Who better to advise you in those things than a man who is living them himself? Right. And I can't, I can't fathom this idea that we would ever ask our fellow man to, I, I don't, I'm sorry, my heart tells me that God would never ask that of a human being, that a human being would would remove themselves from the comfort of the love of another human being. I don't... Yeah, I, you're going to glory in the that. joy of my love, but you'll have no other love. It's, yeah, it's not just no sad. other love before me. It's mm. It's not just have my love in first place. It's you won't have anything else. Yeah, because that, that was a very sad thing. When I saw other priests, and I knew some of them would, would love to be married, love to have someone special in their life, but they had dedicated themselves to their job. And you knew if they had the opportunity, they, they would. And a lot of priests do that these days. They sneak off and have, have their relationships anyway. So in, in order to legitimize them, they should allow them, in my opinion, to have a wife. To be, if they if they have the gay marriages, so be it. You know, so oh, that's evil. Well, and once again, in time, there's also that. There have been people who are heterosexual, homosexual since the beginning of time. That's never going to change. And if there is a time to say, love thy neighbor, there's no rules in that. That means love everyone, and that means unconditionally. And this is this but is a the, rule that a lot of people don't accept very well as, also. The big thing for me is that a, a, a lot of Christians and Certainly, um, the Buddhists um, and, and a lot of the other religions, their basis for the religion belief system is that the human is an extension of God, of God's power, God's child, basically. So an extension of that God energy, right? And whatever term they want to use, you know, God is the Father, we are the children, whatever, it still means the same thing. Kingdom of heaven so, within you, all those things. In, in, saying, mm-hmm. in saying that, if any, it's, 
Every and all human beings and all creatures of earth are an extension of God, then how can any of them be wrong? It's a good question. Yeah, good question. But as far as as far as universal law, there's there's a there's a great book out there called DNA in the Sands of Time. I've recommended it to a lot of people. It's a very big read. Um, if you have very strong religious beliefs, you may want to put them in a cup and put them to the side when you first read because it's really going to examine, as I say, it's going to challenge what you believe in. So they're taking information that's been put in books way before Christianity, way before the Quran, way before any of the religions like Hindu, some of the oldest cultures and religions on the planet. So these faiths, or let's say beliefs, were a long time ago. We're talking 200, 300,000 years ago, way before they said man ever walked the planet. But once again, refer back to the oldest texts we have, which are the Sumerians. And another thing about summer, over in Iraq and Jordan where this began, you know, this is one of the largest libraries we had left on planet Earth was in Iraq. Do you guys know that? No. No, we had one of the largest libraries. We had some of the most ancient cultures and books in a library. It was the old. Oh, yeah. In, the, in Iraq. The Muslim, the Muslim culture that was there was sort of mm-hmm. the steward of a great deal of the intellectual storehouse and yeah, they were they were paid they were paid in gold rick they paid them for the weight of the book they paid them in gold in the early days yeah because um, i've talked to people from there from that area how they did this we went over there in uh, the the military and guess what we did we burned it down we burned down one of the oldest one of the oldest library we burned it down now what reason do we have in war to burn down someone's library well, to me, that's real simple, just like the man who told me. He said uh, he was a high-up military man, weapons specialist, meaning he created and made weapons, so he knew a lot of stuff. He said it's real simple. The history of mankind was in that library, and some people who run this world didn't want the people to know. It's not exactly the way it's often told. Be- because if too many people knew the truth, there wouldn't be so much controversy in the world today. We as human beings would get along a lot better as a species on planet Earth if we did know our true origins, and that's what's. Being and we would be less us. easy to control. Yes. And manipulate. Exactly. Now you're exactly. And true. that's what you said. That's what hard it boils to, down to. If you hard to keep control them dumbed sovereign down, individuals. <laughs> keep them uneducated. Keep them divided. Then you know we can we can keep them saying yes to our many ridiculous suggestions right. Divide because and they have no other choice. Divide and conquer. It's it's the oldest game yeah. on right. the planet. And the intellectuals um, at the university will explain why it's true because that's what they learned when they were five and six and seven and eight. Just, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's what uh, you're taught at West Point. You're taught at, my friends who go on the West Point, you're taught typical military-type rules, divide and conquer. Yeah. It's in the books. So, so with that, where does that leave all of us? You know, it leaves us, especially here, the people who are listening. It, it's like you can't always change world events yourself as an individual, but you can join together in how you feel about yourself because you can get upset, you can get angry. This doesn't really change things. 
but change is always inevitable. We're always going to be uh, human beings of change. And so with that, you can change how you feel. You can change how your body feels, how the internal cleansing feels. You can change how your emotions control you, or basically you're in charge of you again. These things we can change. So if somebody wants to do something, like say, hey, my husband, he needs to change. I go, well, how about we work with you first? Well, he needs to change. I said, well, what about you? Get the two-by-four out of your own eye. Like, uh, like, like Gandhi <laughs> says, be the change that you that you look for. Uh, he says, you be the change. And so we can all detox our bodies. We can all cleanse. We can all start a new, ex- a new exercise program. We can all go get some kind of unique body work. Those things are very accessible to everyone. But a very small percentage take advantage of that. Well, fortunately, we have we have folks like you that uh, are not only have found these things through, you know, many the twists and turns on the crooked path that, you know, martial arts, injury, near death. Uh, but now that you have reconnected with them, teaching them and, and sharing them and uh, and like you said, finding a way to to know your audience and and speak the truth to them in the way that they can hear it. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means just the edge, but that's, come on, that's the way we all started. (laughs) We've all been there. Oh, yeah, I had this uh, this ladies' retreat one time. I was uh, speaking to a group of like five different religious groups at once, and uh, it was very interesting how we started off the conversation and how we ended it. And we where where it ended it, it started in controversy and ladies standing up and yelling at each other and I was like hang on I'm the speaker here <laughs> had to remind them who's been talking they wanted to take over and argue with each other in the audience and finally I brought them to one universal truth love one another why are you yelling at each other you're yelling at her because she grew up this faith you're yelling at this lady because she grew up this way I said where is that did where do they teach that in your face show me where it tells you to hate somebody because of what they believe in. And, of course, no one could point that out to me. Now, show me where it says in your faith to love one another. And that's in every book of belief. Absolutely. And what a... What a I asked a priest that same question one time, and he, he turned around, walked the other way, and never spoke to me again. Mm-hmm. It's funny how that happens sometimes. But it is, it's deeply ingrained in the culture. It, it just... How do you... Well, we classify things we put them in little columns we focus on their differences you're like it's in what almost everything that's said to you when you're a child you know it's no not that this you know Mm -hmm. and it so it it really is much more revolutionary than just the you know love one another and let's have bunnies and rainbows it's let's start even if we have to go all the way back to there, let's start with something we've got in common because that yeah. you can build on. That you can. Things that are divisions you can't build on because all you can do is build an argument. You build two different buildings. You have to start with something that's the one piece of bedrock that we can all get on and then, okay, you can build skyscrapers. But uh, but, that's, but that's well put, Rick, because... A uh, my, a former kickboxing instructor. He was like number world, number one in the world in his division uh, from Lebanon, Palestinian guy. And uh, him and his coach, when I sit up and uh, talk to them late at night, 
we'd always have these conversations because they really taught me a lot about how things work in the Middle East from their version. And listening to them, they said it's really to examine what people have as a how they don't like each other, what they what they hate in this person, or, you know, using that word and point their fingers at each other. He goes, but it's so much easier how he looks at it, this one man. Let's find what we do believe in. What's one common thread we have? And that is what he said the same thing to me, to love one another. And that's always stuck with me. And on the other hand, I have a friend who's an ex-Israeli special forces guy. Now, here you got Israeli and you got a Palestinian. Culturally-wise, they beat up each other all the time. But then again, you meet people like these people I've met, just the nicest, kindest people, and they respect what each other believe in. But they also say, let's look for what's common amongst us, and that's to love one another and to respect each other and to honor each other. And the martial arts, that's what I've loved so much. It's not just the fighting in the arts, but it's the honor you have towards another martial artist. And the bow, the bow in the Japanese culture is such a respectful and a very honorable thing to do. It's not like you're bowing, oh, you're, you're the god. You're bowing is simply showing respect. And, and the Japanese in history, when they had their enemies, they showed their enemies respect. They respected their enemies. Of course, then they probably practiced their sword on cutting off your arms and legs, but they respected <laughs> well, you before they did that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's at least a start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, uh, it, it 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 just is. It's 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 a top down deal. It's a mm-hmm. bottom up deal. Whichever way side you want to put it on is you know you start with the differences. You're starting way out on the leaves when mm-hmm. it's really a tree. You can always go back in the past the and be upset about things. And so it's uh, well, always good also to focus on the present. What's happening yeah. now in front of you. And, and it's uh, like your family. You you see your brothers and sisters and cousins, and you want to talk about what happened in the past. Well, the whole family be arguing for long. It'll it'll lead down that road. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah, yeah. And, always, and, no, always, always leads does. to a family argument if you and, uh, start talking about what happened last time you got together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I have a truth. These two ladies, uh, two elderly ladies. One of them's been a patient for years, and she has a sister she hasn't spoken uh, to since like college times. And they're both in like their their early eighties. And when I finally came to town, the other sister, I got them to finally meet after all these years. I got them to meet, and I agreed to be the neutralizer between them two because they thought they were going to be in a big argument. And I wanted to ask them both individually, how did all this start with two sisters spent most of their lives hating each other? And they both said the same thing. I don't hate her. And no one says, well, I don't hate her either. I said, well, that's what y'all both told me. And then when it comes to find out, they didn't even know why they were disliking each other. And then when I looked deeper, of course, I did some testing. It went all the way back to fourth grade. One of them took one of them's pencil and didn't give it back to school. And the other one was mad at the other one for taking her pencil. And so it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. It went all the way back to their fourth grade issue. It carries over to their life now in their early 80s. And they finally were able to hug and kiss each other and tell each other they were sorry. True story. It's a great story. Can you imagine? All this lifetime. All this time. Well, I spent a good part of my life being a bit of an escapist. And, um, you know, whatever kind of rules or format might be available, I went the other direction. Not because I was going towards something. I was going away from something, which is not usually good. Mm-hmm. And there's a story that I had told half a dozen times, and then I was doing some work with a, a light worker that, that I've worked with, and... and 
when I was five, I had a conversation with my mother about, you know, kindergarten was half a day. I said, so next year i got to go to school all day? And she said, yeah. And I said, then i got to go to high school? And she said, yeah. And then i got to college? And she said, yeah. And and I said, then i got to get a job? And she said, well, hopefully. And and and, and then i got to go to work every day? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, oh, my God, I'm trapped. And I spent, like, the next 30 years trying to get out of the trap that this five-year-old thought he was in. And it's hard to deal with with a 35-year-old mind if you don't realize, dumb it down to it was a five-year-old thing. You know, because it just doesn't compute. You can't see it almost. It, it, it can be amazing, and and that's why I think the work that you do can be so transformative. Is because there can be these little splinters from just a little splinter, just a tiny little thing, insignificant. Don't even remember yeah. it hardly. Yeah, and when it does turn but into, but it festers when, and blah. Right. Yeah, right. But when it turns into some emotional thing, it, it's a thought pattern. It goes around like the hamster in the wheel. It goes around and around in the mind. Someone thinks about it so much that they don't even become conscious of it anymore. And the process is still active and the program's still running in the subconscious mind. When it does that, it's going to create some kind of hormonal response. So if you look at the neurology of the brain, it'll cause neurology, the chemistry of the brain to change. And when that happens, suddenly they have knee pain, low back pain, wherever the chemistry becomes out of balance. And so when that when it comes to such a physical state, that's where we get stuck at, and that's where we start trying to treat the physical instead of going back to the emotional. But when someone comes in and they're on 12 to 18 different medications and pain is everywhere, you look at a person who's been trapped in their body for a long time. And now and then I still get patients like that. They come in actually on 18 medications, and I ask them, how do they feel? I go, I feel just fine. I'm like, well, why are you here? Okay. Yeah, right. well, you know, I'm a doctor. I see people a... that aren't okay, and uh, <laughs> and you find out they're not okay. And actually, when they start cleansing, they start noticing their pains because they start feeling their body again. And like this one lady thought she was actually getting worse by the detoxing. Well, once you start detoxing, you actually start feeling your toes and your fingers and your nervous system starts coming alive again because you've been desensitized for so long. And so I like to ask them one question. They tell you all the things wrong with well, my head, my my kidney, and my liver, and my bladder don't work. And they, they're so focused on the problems that they're having or the challenges. I ask them, what do you do for fun? And they look up at me like I asked them some kind of dirty joke or something. Like you're from another fun. planet. <laughs> fun? What do you mean what I do for fun? Did you see it wrong? <laughs> and I asked Did you hear all these what? things I just explained are wrong with me? I ain't got time right. for fun. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like a drug co- commercial and all the side effects you achieve, right? And so when I hear those things, I ask him that question. And I said, well, what did you used to do for fun? Like this guy who come, bent over. He literally come bent over in the office walking in, and he finally got down to what he remembered. He remembered fishing. I said, so you like fishing? He said, oh, yeah, I love to fish, you know. I said, when's the last time you've been fishing? And he goes, 20 years ago. I agree. You're telling me something that you love so much to do, and you spent 20 years without fishing. He goes, yeah, I guess it's been that long. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to release you today, and I'm not even going to work on you until you've gone fishing. And he says, what do you mean? He says, aren't you going to fix my back? I said, no. I said, I want you to go out, and you go on a fishing trip, and you come back and see me, and then I'm going to work on you. I said, can you do that? He goes, well, my 
my son-in-law's got a boat. He goes, yeah, I can do that. So here he is. The boat's been right in front of him all this time and fishing something he's missed. So I, I lost him. He went away. About six months later, he goes walking in, standing straight up, smile on his face. He goes, Dr. Price, I thought I'd just let you know, I went fishing the other day. And you know what? I'm walking straight. My back doesn't hurt. And I said, how about that? I never, I never even Look touched this man, never even adjusted him, never did a detox. And he simply went to do something fun and fixed himself. How about that? That's not always that easy, but no, in but case it was. But often but the answer work. is simple. <laughs> easy is a relative term, but it's usually something simple once it gets down it is, to it. It is usually something simple. Usually it's, it is. It's one of those, how could I not have, It's you know, you smack yourself in the head. What is it? The, mm-hmm. well, gee, I could have had a V8 uh, mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that is important to note for anybody out there that, that like, I've had this, I had this nerve damage in my legs. And in my journey of getting better it if i stop feeling weirdness and pains and aches and things i i start checking to see what i've done different or because you know a nerve waking up's like waking up at the dentist you get all those prickly funny feelings you know mm-hmm. and uh, or waking up after the dentist your face you get the tingly thing and the burning and the if you weren't getting that, it means your face is still asleep. <laughs> it's not a good thing sometimes to so, be so you ask yourself the this, when you Eric, as soon as you start feeling a symptom, something new, something different, like your fingers start to tingle, all of a sudden your toe hurts, your knee hurts, start kind of reviewing the emotions. I always say look in your toolbox and say, okay, what is it that recently you've gone through that's different? I mean, did you visit your mother? Did your ex-husband come to see you? Or one of your kids you don't get along with? Did you have a conversation with them? Oh, yeah, I got in a fight with my ex-husband like two days ago. And they can reusely relate it back to some incident that they just had. Whether it's recently or, say, six months ago, they'll relate it back to some incident that happened. And if they really don't know, that's where I come in as the body detective and go in and test and find out for them. But you always can find out low back pain, someone comes in low back pain, always relates back to worrying about money. Now, you could be a billionaire and still worry about money, like someone's going to take it. How do I invest it? How do I retire properly? I'm going to lose it. The market's going to crash. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do I, you want to buy a house, buy a car. You know, there's always some concern about money, and money hits the kidneys, which in return hits the low back. So we can always link it back to an emotion. So it's just a matter of finding the balance, finding the counteractivity, not just the word, but an activity that that person can do to neutralize it. And and the best way I can put that is just like your computer has WordPerfect running in the background, and you don't know it's running, but it's slowing your computer down. That's how a subconscious thought is. So when you discover that WordPerfect that's running, you go in there and you click on it and you turn it off. You basically have neutralized the program. You haven't deleted it from the computer. It's still there, but you've neutralized its effect on the computer. It's there ready to be used should you ever need it. It's not lost. Yeah, There it is, and that's how the subconscious thought is, where it doesn't give you – you think about your ex-husband and wife, whoever upsets you a lot. And when you can think about that person truly and not raise your blood pressure, not get excessive beats out of your your heart, your pulse rate – when you don't have that physiological response like you're used to, you have finally neutralized it in your body. Then I've reached my goal with you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you just you said a word there, or, or a phrase there, body detective. We're going to take a quick break, um, 
and uh, have some Hawaiian healing, some Ho'oponopono. I often mispronounce that, but I think that's correct. Um, And um, everybody get an opportunity to refill their tea and all that good stuff. Uh, And we'll blast into our last 30 minutes. I'd love to hear about uh, a little bit about this body detective because that's uh, that's a course that you teach uh, to help share this gift that you have with awaken this gift that you have in others. And uh, uh, I think it's awesome. So we want to hear about that and your websites and what you're doing and how people can find you. Uh, uh, So quick earth prayer, eh? Gene? Quick earth prayer. Ho'oponopono. For the uh, for the planet and for all of us, and it's really good stuff. And uh, it's our good friend Ina V that's been on the show. Uh, you can find her at inav.com, E-N-A-V-I-E.com, and uh, check out the cool things she does with the proceeds from this song called The Earth Prayer Project. We'll be back in about five minutes. Stay with us, folks.
all things, of the west and the thunder, of the east and the sun, in the north the shining elders, and the south our mother's womb, to those above and below us, to the seen and unseen, those who have walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do. And we thank you for all your help us. that's there. I like the whole idea behind it. Forgive us, for we know not what yeah. we do, but we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. Work in progress, as I like to say. Absolutely. So the body the detective, whole point. Um, I have put into the chat room uh, b- several times, both your uh, uh, com and also the body detective. Um it's, uh, I guess, the logical extension because, like the guard with the limp or the fellow with the bent over back, you—that's kind of your starting, your jumping-off point—and you use the tools that you have and gifts that you have to sort of trace that back to what yeah, can often be the up. right in front of them. You know, it's really elementary. Yeah, it came from a patient uh, years ago. I, I discovered a technique that. Obviously, uh, it's probably been invented or created way before me, but it's a technique where you can put your finger in someone's belly button and actually go through the Chinese clock. You can use your directions of the belly button and muscle test and see what organ systems are out of balance by touching their belly button. And I discovered the root of a lady's shoulder problem one time through her belly button. And she looked up at me, and this is over to Centerpoint years ago. She goes, you're like a detective. You're like a body detective. And it just kind of hit me. It's like, well, I guess I'm kind of a detective. And I says, no, you're a body detective. And since that day, that name kind of stuck. But as far as the course, I was with a another group years ago, back in uh, 1998, 99, and uh, we were developing this technique called say release. I put in someone in a – it's like doing the ayahuasca, the, the peyote, the spiritual uh, psychedelics without it. You put someone in this altered state and they can experience this high, this freedom and release of emotions through natural non-drug therapy. And we're developing this technique but looking for a way to teach it to people in a system. 
and there was a group of us developing it over the years, but they were going to bring it to the to the medical doctors, to the AMA. And I just felt that necessarily wasn't the best way to go about it, but that's where we were going at the time. And I uh, went Hillary Clinton's uh, medical doctor at the time. She was working with us, and things just didn't work out like that. We ended up splitting up as a group, and uh, I, I had most of the course developed of how to teach people to get to that point. And so basically I took it and called it the body detective and t- taught it as a course. It eventually was a – it was well, in the beginning it was a five-weekend course, and we narrowed it down to three weekends of training. And we started teaching like a, like an old chiropractor did years ago in muscle testing to the lay person and the practitioner. When you come to the door, you leave your initials at the door and wear a name tag that just says human being. And that way you come in, everyone's equal. And I found out that really was effective. We've had all all degrees, all kind of people walk through our class from the lay person to the highest type of PhDs that take this course. And in this course, the body detective, that's just what you're learning to do. You're learning to be a detective, but you have to learn to trust yourself in your detective uh, techniques that you use. And so the first week in the training, we take you, and I have some other teachers that come in who all have special gifts and abilities, and one of these guys is Wayne Oliver, a very good Qigong master. And he teaches you Qigong and Tai Chi. It all begins by you learning to move energy through your own body. Not only do you learn to move energy through your body, you learn to move it through someone else. But how can you move it through someone else if you can't move it through yourself? So that's the first challenge. And then we get into all the testing methods. We teach people muscle testing, dowsing pendulums, dowsing rods, lean testing, finger testing, and we just let you decide your own path, which one seems to work for you, until you know something that gives you a signal that you tested something in the person's body that's not right, meaning you tested that the organ of the liver is not in balance versus, say, the heart. And there's reflexes that you can touch on the body with your hands as well to determine this. And so that weekend, they explore these areas of testing methods and doing the qigong, moving energy, uh, meditation. We even do a little yoga practice. And so towards the end of the uh, weekend, we get into the Chinese body work, which you learn to walk on each other, open the meridians up on someone's body with your feet and your hands. And it's an old method by an old Tai Chi master who taught me how to properly walk on someone. So this is your whole weekend of getting to really know people around you and getting to know yourself. And it's it's, it's a great experience for many people, and many people have breakthroughs all during the class. At, at any time, a person could just sit down and start releasing at any time. They can start crying, start laughing, start screaming. I mean, anything happens at any time because they're there for that. And we're talking from all walks of life, all different types of degrees. And when that person begins to release, everybody stops what they're doing, and they go over and they assist that person in their release. And one time we had an attorney in there, and boy, she released and released and released, and she did such a great job. She didn't come back for the rest of the course. She said she felt so good. But the idea is if you want to become a practitioner and learn the system and learn to do the cellular release, it's courses you go to, and like medical school, it has an internship. You have to go through with other instructors and make sure you know what you're doing, and then we have an advanced course. So the second course is where I really enjoy teaching because we use martial art-type training. I mean, I've trained in martial arts for over 30 years now, and it's fun to watch when you blindfold somebody how they use their senses their sense of smell, their smell of, of touch and taste. And some people are really, really good at sensing things with their, when themselves are blindfolded. 
I found this really interesting. And uh, we had a there's a professional kickboxer her name's Kathy Long. She was like the top world fighter for five years in a row in the late 80s. She beat every woman up on the planet in her division. A really tough, tough fighter. Well, she came to this course, and she loved it so much, and she was so good at everything. She turned her, her martial art fighting skills into healing skills, and she's an excellent healer. She's out in, a, in California, L.A. right now, and she works on all these martial artists doing these healing sessions. And so the third course, you use these skills you've learned to do the technique of actually say or release. And this is really a closely guarded secret that we do keep in our association of how we train people. We don't let anybody come in anymore and see anything we're doing because if you're really not trained properly, it actually is a pretty serious technique when you put someone in an altered state. You don't want a person doing this to you unless they know where you're going, where they're taking you, and how to end the session. And so with that, the third weekend, we go out to a music studio out in Richmond, Texas, and we all do the technique to each other. And that's a very interesting moment to watch every person go through their own release. And then the internship begins from there to get their sessions in. And so the Body Detective is now a world-known progress of, uh, of teaching. Well, we're in uh, several countries in Europe. We're in Mexico, South America, and we're in Canada now. So we have Body Detectives around the world now who know this technique. They may not be professional in muscle testing and other energetic techniques, but for sure, when I certify them, they know how to do the art of the Sarah release. And the Sarah release is just that, releasing the trapped memories in the cells of your body. And I'll give you an example. If a dog bites you as a kid on the leg, and as an adult, I grab you on the leg with the same kind of in- intensity that dog bit you, you're going to respond exactly the same way. And you can imagine a woman who's been molested or raped, how they're going to respond. So when you've had some traumatic, emotional, physical thing happen to you, it is still trapped in the tissues of your body. And so this technique is is so valuable that in one session, you can release that memory from the cells in your body and be free of it forever. One session. Even if you don't know what the memory is, I'm just sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it kind of got my attention just because Mm -hmm. um, I have a natural an immediate response to being grabbed. Like right. if somebody, right. if I'm walking by and somebody grabs my arm and tries to stop me, the the anger is like intense, instant, mm-hmm. intense. And, and, goodness and, you don't, and you don't know where it's from, help right? Help the person who, who hits me from behind. Because if you hit me from behind, I will turn and hit you before I realize what I'm doing. It's so quick. And, you, and, you and, know, and you're telling me you don't know where that's from, right? No idea where it's from. No idea. So, but um, I've been so like right that now, as you're ever. talking to me, listening to the vibration of your voice, that is not from this lifetime. That's why. This is from a past life memory. And oh, that makes is, sense. Then. Okay. But people, okay. If people don't believe in past lives, it's just a matter of time before they do. Well, in my, if you, ha- you my have my enough system. sessions done to you, you're going to see something. You're going to experience something that's not from this this lifetime. We're, we're, no, that makes we're not sense. I've been a warrior multiple times. Yeah, my so, sister's mm-hmm. been a warrior more than once, and it's so not good for okay. a warrior to get grabbed or hit mm-hmm. from behind. It, or it's hit from a, behind. So it's, it's important that the response. warrior okay. in those instances respond instantly and with power. Mm-hmm. It just kind of comes from somewhere, doesn't it? Okay, well, I'm okay with that then because, you know, I mean, I'm okay with it coming from that because that's, that is – part of how I had to survive then. 
if it had come from it would have bothered me. Well, but there may yeah. be something that it's that it latched onto in this life to Yeah, it could be something that happened in childhood as, as, a, as a kid. Maybe your teacher at school grabbed you and yanked you by your arm. It could be this life as well. But if the person has no recollection, it doesn't mean that it, it didn't happen from this time. It could be that they've actually suppressed the memory or really just have no idea. And usually when we do a session on that person, the memory comes back. They remember the incident. But the funny thing is, not that it's funny, but interesting enough is when the release happens, that person on the table may actually shapeshift. You see them as a fully grown woman, and as they start releasing that memory, they look like a young girl. They literally shapeshift in front of you on the table. And this is uh, what people call psychic surgeries, when you start extracting the memory from the body. It's a very unique take. It's, it's, it's nothing like this that we've seen anywhere, and I've worked on people around the world. Even Steven Seagal, the actor out there at martial arts, he says, I've never seen anything like this. And he's well, had a session before. But it only seems so, to, cool. to make sense to me. It, it The bridge, bridges go both ways. And just as we talked about somebody that's had six, seven knee surgeries, there's something emotional that's anchoring that. Mm-hmm. You can find the emotional issue and you think you've dealt with it in therapy or whatever, or you remember the incident. and But then it just seems, your physical thing seems to get more aggravated. Well, it's because that is now trying to anchor the emotional match back. It's a two-way street. It goes, it's not this or that, it's this and that. And you know what, the technique is not for everybody. It really isn't. But for someone who's really tried, they've been to... They're a psychotherapy, the psychiatrist, the psychologist, their rabbi. They've been the person after person, and they just can't seem to get relief. Um, maybe this is the next thing for them to do is actually have the relief, because you can sit and do talk therapies all day long. So you talk and you go, you know what? I'm really over this. I really am. I feel it. But when you put them on the table and put them in this altered state, you're going to find out if they're really over it. And I would have to tell you, to this day. I would say 99% of the time, they're not finished with it. It's still in the tissues of the body. So to me, a therapy like this, emotional releases are a two-step process. First, neutralizing the feeling and the thoughts in the head, making sure your mind is okay with it. Like we said, the balancing of the negative and the positive. And the second step is have the physical extraction of it out of your body. And that's what they call me. I'm an extractor. I extract things out of people's bodies. And so whether you're, once again, a lay person, a doctor, a nurse, a massage therapist, people get stuff in their bodies, especially people who work on other people. If you yeah. work on people a lot and your energy is low, you can actually get what's on that person on you. And that's when they usually come to me and I pull it off of them. Yeah, because it's all a system, people. We talk about, you know, get your body, mind, and spirit together. And we really... We have to find a way to talk about it in the language, but it's really maybe not healthy at this point. We need to maybe try to find a way to bridge to quit talking about them like separate things. Right. We talk We talk on the show often about, you know, well, I see my soul as this thing. It's off over there somewhere, and it jacks with me every once in a while, but, you know, because it wants to teach me a lesson, and it's not like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your soul is you, is me, is, is I. You'll feel like I wherever perspective and the same goes the other direction because we all have a body and it's been with us this whole lifetime and 
I believe that energetically, anyway, bodies reincarnate. Not that like the same molecules came to, but energetically, bodies can have body memory that can run past this go round and anchored in there because you're in there because you're. It's all us, I guess, is what I'm saying. And um, here's a, here's an just like the medical mechanical yeah. view doesn't really get it done. Neither does the purely spiritual view. It 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 it's all us. Yeah. Now this never replaces a real medical advice. People should always seek medical advice because once you have all your diagnostic tools used, all the assessments that can be done, then you can make an informed uh, decision on what you ch- uh, choose to do with yourself. But an interesting case is uh, look how many people you can talk about weight loss. And we have weight loss programs, and we show people how to detox and lose weight all the time. But interesting enough, I've had ladies who come in and no detoxification. They do a basic cleansing to do a session because in in a service session, you have to do some cleansing before you come in. Um, When they have a session, what's trapped in the fat cells is not just the chemicals, but also in the fat cells, in between the the cells, um, is the emotions, the emotions are in the tissues of the body. And so when you release the emotion, the childhood memory, the traumatic thing, all of a sudden, 20 pounds falls off of them. 40 pounds. I have a lady all day. She's gone through up to, right at 50 pounds. She's lost after her release. Whatever emotion was stored there, the weight just came off. So as far as working for weight loss, stress reduction, um, yes, all yeah. of the above. All of the above. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so folks that are having a problem can come and folks that uh maybe maybe even folks that have been in the traditional medical line uh I believe that most you know sure a few want to be a plastic surgeon so they can make a lot of money and and date young women that have enhanced body parts but that's again a very <laughs> small percentage most of the physicians I've met they went into medicine because they wanted to help people. And if they're now beginning to feel almost viscerally like there's something missing, because I think this is happening to a lot of people and they're not sure what it is, and they're sort of casting about looking for it, I believe that it's the spiritual side, the energetic side. The, I, you know, I believe there's more for science to do as well. It's a, it's Again, people, this is... Evolution and advancement and enlightenment and all of that, it's about integration. It's not about here's the truth over here and this is not. It's not this or that. It's this and that. And it's the blending. Like you said, you've got all the diagnostic tests. You've got the uh, uh, view from the from your energetic tests and your muscle tests and that then you can begin to see the whole picture. Right, uh, right. And ancient Sumerian healing wasn't just mechanical and it wasn't just right. energetic. It was, you got to do all that stuff. Yeah, and I want to I want to stress this point that um, maybe your person, like the rest of us, you feel just fine and you have a healthy lifestyle and you're looking for a way to enhance yourself. Because I look at it now where we've progressed at when I, when I do these releases on people, when we travel and do them, especially to the famous folks and others like that, is they're not doing it just because something's wrong with them. 
to fix things. They're doing it because they want to enhance who they already are. They want to make their senses stronger. They want their physical body to move more freely. And just like me, once a year, every six months, I have a session done on myself. And to me, it's always to enhance. And one thing it always does, it opens up my vision, how I see things, how I see auras and energy around the body. So hearing, seeing, feeling, it always taps into your resources, which are extrasensory perceptions, and enhances those. And this is what's most interesting to me today is what's happening to the healer or the practitioner when they're doing this type of work. And uh, we have a a doctor, a physiologist, uh, who does these brain mapping, the EETs, and what he's found out is most people go to the alpha wave when this happens in their brain. When they measure the shamans in the jungles, uh, in Peru and other places, he's done thousands of these things, Dr. Juan Acosta. He says most people have a very strong alpha wave. And uh, a couple of years ago, he measured myself and uh, Two Feather, the Indian here in town, and uh, uh, Two Feather went to delta wave doing his healing. And when I started working on somebody, I went to theta. And these are two things he hadn't really measured before in his machine. So once again, when you're doing the work, what wave do you work in? You hear of theta healing. I don't know if everybody knows exactly what that means, but that's exactly what happens to me. I know that now, and I know the feeling. You're you're working in your subconscious mind. People say, you can't be hypnotized because I'm already there. That's where the subconscious is in theta waves. So look at it as an enhancement. You're enhancing yourself when you have work done on you. Right, because uh, not to, with five minutes left, launch into, but you mentioned that you're at your martial arts school, and uh, I've seen some martial arts demonstrations that you have. uh, There's some up on YouTube uh, where you show what I'm sure people would consider to be enhanced uh, uh, perhaps, shall we say, ability to be struck. Right, right, the key training. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they're, they're very unique. And actually, in the, in the body detective, I teach them basic key training to the people in it. And uh, it's not that we're going to punch them in the throat or the body doing the glass, but it teaches them to sink their energy into the ground They're like a Tai Chi master and use what Japanese call key. It's a very strong breath. It's not a soft breath at all. And what it does, it puts a, if you took a imagery, different imagery devices, and look, you can see like curling photography, a huge wave around your hand of energy versus regular size of wave around the body and not doing the key energy. And so this puts a barrier of protection around you when you work on somebody. That's the purpose of that training. But, of course, over the years, we took it to the History Channel and Ripley's Believe It or Not, where they show us taking 600 pounds of pressure to our throat and actually taking groin kicks at over a 1,000 pounds per square inch to the groin, full-blow kicks from a martial artist with no effect, no negative physiological effects to your body. How is that possible? Well, there there's so many parts of the body and the physiology and the brainwave activity there that are just not documented and researched enough these days. And this is where I hope research goes is to test people like ourselves who can do these feats it's not that I'm so magical. I can turn around and teach you just the way I do things, and I have plenty of my students can do it exactly the way I do it. And uh, out there, I don't know many courses where you take a course and you can do it just like your teacher. There's not many that I've been to. But I have plenty of students right here in Houston alone that can turn around and do the fair release work just like that I do it. And and I feel really good about that because I have something that's teachable. And it's right. something very usable to the public. 
and very and, uh, e- much easier for, I find, people's minds to accept something that's duplicatable. It fits in the whole scientific model. Well, what is, what's you know. research? When I say, show me the research, well, can it be duplicated? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. Uh, and in so fact, in the martial science. arts, they've been teaching this uh, key control for centuries, millennia perhaps. And uh, like you said, it's not that you're Superman. It's you can teach people. It's a right. it's an innate ability that you, but just like golf or something, yeah, everybody can play it to varying degrees of skill perhaps, but it's something you learn, people. Mm-hmm. And it and and so many of them I find in martial arts, uh we may have to have you back so we can talk about martial arts, but uh right. so many of them they have so many such a broader application. You were talking about the the key energy as as like protection, energetic protection when you're working with somebody. Uh it's not just so people can hit you in the throat. However useful that skill may be, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to get hit and because I've seen film of people hitting you hard. And, um, you know, you actually, only... you actually project it to such a way when someone's really trying to hurt you and they hit you, you actually can project it back to the person to actually injure their hand or their foot as they're striking you. I've done that on many occasions because I know some guy's kicking me and he really wants to hurt me when he's hitting me. And so you just move the key back to the person. They actually can injure their hand, hit punching you and injure their foot when they kick you. But in this case, we've learned to use it for healing. And that's not how it was taught to me. It was not taught for healing. But that's how we teach it today. We teach it for others to learn it for healing purposes, and it, and it protects them as they're doing their work. And so that, that's, once again, something unique to learn. No, absolutely. And I think it's awesome work that you're doing. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I know that uh, uh, Malia's joined us in the in the chat room. She's been here for, for a good bit. And... Uh, is just on and on about her excitement about uh, doing the body detective course. Uh, again, she's somebody I know went into the medical field that she's in because she likes to help people. And uh, mm-hmm. and some of her frustrations and depressions and things in life are because they taught her all that stuff and she's not really being able to, she can help them a little, but not enough. And uh, I think there's a lot of people disillusioned with medicine that would, benefit greatly from getting to know you, sir. So I, I yeah. really appreciate you coming and spending your time with us tonight. Sure. We have sure. we have podcast listeners by the thousand um, who are not in the chat room and able to see all these links that I've put in. So um, to be able to find you on the on the web, if they want to learn about the course, that would just be at thebodydetective.com. Well, the bodydetective.com uh, is for mainly for our course that we teach. But right. to find me directly is uh, the drpatrickprice.com. Drpatrickprice.com. Yeah, com. And being on the show here, anybody who's listening today, Rick, I'll offer them. Uh, if they like to get 20% off a phone consultation with me, I do 30-minute and hour consultations as well. I'd like to offer that to anybody out there today. Uh, we I do those all over the world through Skype or by the phone. And, uh, and and invite people to challenge themselves this March 23rd and 24th to join us at the Body Detective. On the Body Detective site, it does have the uh, the flyer, so they can read the dates and the location and everything of the course. 
That's just awesome. And, and challenge yourself. Challenge yourself in what you believe in, always. It is very awesome. I'm curious because um, I have to ask, being the Canadian, I heard you mention that you have somebody here in Canada. So if people can't get to you um, and they want to have one of these um, clearings done. Right. Uh, do you first of all? I guess my question would be: Do you have to do to do the actual cleansing? Do you have to do it in person, or? Well, those people who work that are trained with us have many other different techniques that they know. You know, working from a distance as well, but they actually have okay. the actual real deal sailor release <laughs> is actually a hands-on <laughs> type of project where you'll have two to five people. You have a team. It's like going in for a surgery. You'll have a team of people. Each person has a special skill or gift for you to be there for that session. And each session will take you an hour and a half to three hours to have it done to you. By the time you get on the okay, table, so, you get off the table. Yeah. So if people who aren't near you and can't get to you to get the cellular release done, is there a list on either of your websites as to how they I'm can find people that. in their yeah, area? Yeah. Well, what we're doing is we're updating our body detective site. It's kind of it's kind of old. It's aging, and we're going to have on there a list of body detectives worldwide that you can find. And as of right now, if they're looking for somebody, we have one of my most powerful crews I have is in Vancouver. So if anybody out there is in Vancouver, Canada, we have we have our group there that's worked on. They do sessions every week there in Canada. The two ladies, they're excellent, and I, I definitely approve of them in every way. And um, they can call our office or go to our send me an email to our look up our website, Dr. Patrick Price, and I'll put them in touch with somebody that's local to them. And we have groups in Florida and California and around the states here here and there. And uh just let me know and we'll try our best to hook you up with someone. Awesome. Thank that's you. It's just absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. You're welcome. And You're welcome. Uh, uh, but uh, between those two websites folks can find information about your upcoming classes and, and uh uh, your treatments and the the discount. Thanks so much for uh, helping our EC family out with a discount on phone consultation. Absolutely. That's just awesome. It's like Christmas. Yay! Okay. We like Christmas morning gifts. We yay. Me too. I'll just, I'll just leave with a closing prayer and have you guys pray for me. I'm walking in my martial arts school and they're waiting for me. So all right. My students take what <laughs> okay. I've learned and they use it back on me. So say a little prayer for me tonight. Yeah, we'll absolutely do we'll that, do. and uh, uh, we'll we'll get all that information up on our archive. And uh, again, thanks for your time, Doc. It's awesome work you're doing. And thank you, guys. I enjoyed it so much. All right. So, Jane, we have Jane. people coming. Oh, wait. We do. Yes. Um, we actually have a really special show this week. It's Valentine's Day on Thursday. Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, it is. And we have a special guest, actually guests uh, coming to discuss this love thing that we talk about so often when it's Valentine's Day. Um, we're going to have Mark and Stacy Kirchville on the show on Thursday to talk about, and this is from the standpoint of a woman who channels. So this is going to be like the you know the whole gone through the journey, gone to hell and back, discovered who I am, now I'm here. How do you maintain a relationship through that? So, you know, we're going to talk about the truth behind the light worker relationship, the truth behind a light worker marriage. Um, All bunnies and rainbows. Soulmates and... um, all that stuff. Because light and, workers' yeah, lives are just all bunnies and rainbows and perfect. And... Exactly. 
<laughs> so basically, <clears throat> Stacy's going to come on and disabuse you of that notion. <laughs> but but love is victorious, and 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 it is an awesome thing. And um, it is absolutely. Uh, and, and they have yeah, an awesome relationship. Well. They let each other be who they are. Imagine that. Yes. They've Ooh. overcome Ooh. so many challenges. They've overcome some in- intensely insane health challenges. Um, you know, Stacy's change of—I don't. Can we call it a career? Her, yeah. her altering her life path. Right. Basically, you know, they—they've been through that together. Um, they've been through Mark's illnesses, and I think that if if we were to have a couple come on the show and talk about. You know, good, solid, truthful, sustaining relationships. Um, they're the perfect couple to have. So they're going to be here on Valentine's Day to talk about the truth about love. That's almost that's awesome. And how synchronistic because Stacy just posted about we're having a show on Thursday. Really? So, yeah, she just this just this moment. My email said Stacy tag, Kerchival tagged you on Facebook. So, see, great minds. Think alike, party alike, relax alike. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Come back on Thursday. We're going to have it 10 tons of fun or more. And uh, thanks for joining us, Malia, and and, and the guests that are with us in the chat room. Come back Thursday. We're going to have a blast. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and to yourselves, stay connected. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your everyday connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. 
We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.